Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Entrepreneurs on Podcasting episode. Today, I'm going to do something a little bit different. In a number of these episodes, when I've gone solo, I have spent time talking about mindset and how mindset is very important. And I think it's one of the most overlooked aspects of being an entrepreneur that are out there. We are used to trying to find somebody to show us a path or show us some kind of a technique or a strategy. And we forget that oftentimes the best strategy is hidden in the gray matter that's between our ears. And today I want to share a story with you of a recent event that I have gone through and I'm still going through as of this recording. But I want to share with you a couple of things that happened and how I had to remind myself about how important mindset was. So let's take a trip back in time. It's December of 2021. I was out grocery shopping at the time. And at this point in time, I was on the go, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle track, working seven days a week. I was putting in 80 to 100 hours. I mean, if I had any downtime, whatsoever. I felt like, you know, there's some work that I could do. There's something I could accomplish. And I just kept pushing, 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 pushing. Well, that came to a grinding halt when I was grocery shopping on this particular one day and I blacked out. It was probably one of the creepiest feelings that I'd ever had in my life. At first, I thought it was because I was standing up too quick. But as I stood there and waited for the feeling to pass, it did not get better. It actually got worse. Somehow or another, I walked from one department to another department where I collapsed on the floor. I have no idea how I got there. But I can tell you that the people around me were absolutely wonderful. They were like, oh my goodness, are you okay? Is everything okay? And then the store manager came over and she got an employee to go get me a wheelchair because uh, I was having a hard time sitting up because it was just this constant wave of, eh, I could say, warmth that would kept coming over me. But it got me to the point where I just I couldn't stand up. And I sat in, in the wheelchair and they thought, oh, maybe your blood sugar is low. And they went and got me a bottle of orange juice, which I drank, but I didn't think so because an hour before then I had just eaten lunch. So I didn't know how my blood sugar level could be so low if I had just eaten. I decided for the first time in my life to actually go to the ER because this feeling that was washing over me would not go away. And I didn't trust myself behind a car because I didn't know if I was going to black out again. So my sister-in-law was kind enough to take me over to the doctor, the ER doctor. And we were there for about six hours because that's how emergency rooms roll. At the end of the six hours, when I finally got a chance to see the doctor, I was feeling totally normal. And I had a couple bottles of water in me at that time, and I just was taking it easy. And the doctor said, you know, we just can't, we can't find anything. So just, you know, keep an eye on what you're doing. If you've got any problems whatsoever, uh, get, get back here right away. And of course, as usual, they say, follow up with your regular doctor. Well, it took me a couple of weeks to get in to see my regular doctor. And when I talked to him, and of course he was reading the notes from the ER on the computer, And he said, well, he says, it's not uncommon that somebody your age would just black out. What we need to do is find out what was going on. So it's either a problem with your brain or a problem with your heart. So let's start testing. 
Fortunately, I've got really good health insurance, but we literally started going through the alphabet soup testing, right? Everything is a three-letter acronym, EKG, EEG, all of these other tests that I had to go through. Now, the EEG came back and revealed that I, in fact, do have a brain. Uh, nothing wrong with it there. The EKG did indicate a couple of small anom anomalies with my heart. And so they recommended that I get a CAT scan. So now I have to go see a, a cardiologist and I have to go in there and get that done. And meanwhile, I'm doing these tests. Everything is coming back negative. My blood work's coming back negative. These tests are all showing that there's nothing wrong. Test after test. And I remember I went and got the, the CAT scan. If you've never had a CAT scan before, this is a very interesting and kind of funky test. This is where they actually pump iodine into your bloodstream. So that way, when they scan or take pictures of your body, they can actually get a 3D image of your heart and your arteries and your veins, and they can see how everything is pumping and they can measure the blood flow and everything. It was, it's actually kind of cool. This is like borderline Star Trek. So I go in there. I got the I get the CAT scan done. Of course, having iodine injected in your veins is the weirdest feeling in the world. I remember the guy told me when I went in there that it was going to make me feel like I peed my pants. And at first, when the whole test started, I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. But then when the iodine actually hit me, he wasn't kidding because it definitely makes you feel like you peed your pants. Anyways, I finished the test and I go back to my doctor. And as I'm sitting in his office, waiting for him to come in. And I'm like, you know, this test is not going to show anything's wrong with me. I'm good to go. I had a couple of people say that maybe I was dehydrated at the time that I collapsed. And if you look up the symptoms for dehydration, I had eight out of 10. So now I'm thinking that I just blacked out because of dehydration. This is really no big deal. Well, the doctor comes in and he said, well, the CAT scan shows that you know, there's a couple small things wrong with your heart, but your blood pressure is so good that we're, we don't, we've got nothing to worry about and you've got nothing to worry about. And that made me feel better. I mean, I run five K's three, four times a week. I'm constantly in training. I love to run. I love to bicycle. I'm a very active person. So that hole right there was of no big surprise to me. That's when he came and said the CAT scan has revealed a 1.1 centimeter nodule on my lung. I don't remember anything that he said after that. A 1.1 centimeter nodule on my lung. Of course, my brain instantly went to cancer. Now, I have had friends that have had cancer. I've had loved ones that have cancer. My dad died because of cancer when I was five years old. Cancer's very real. It's something that anybody can get at any time. You can be the healthiest person in the world and you can still get cancer and you can still die from it. So having this 1.1 centimeter nodule on my lungs scared the daylights out of me. And he told me, he said, if it was less than one centimeter, they would just keep an eye on it. But because it's over one centimeter, I had to go in for more testing. And this right here is when I really started to get a little bit freaked out. Lung cancer is not something that I would want to have, obviously, 
But it always seems to me that by the time that people realize that they have a problem, i.e. they're coughing up blood, the lung cancer has already progressed to a point where it's stage four and they have maybe six months left to live. I can't tell you how many people I know of famous or people in my life that, have got, that were diagnosed with lung cancer and were gone not too long after that. So to make the situation, just to talk to you a little bit about the gravity of what was going on, the doctor says to me, I'm going to give you my cell number and you and I are going to be in contact. I know the best cancer doctors in the state of Michigan. They are on speed dial. I've already reached out to them to figure out what's the best test that we have to do next and where you should go to get it done. When I hear back, we will set everything up for you. Don't worry about it. Of course, I am worried about it. This is, it's, it's human. It's not every day that you're told that you have some strange nodule on your lung or anywhere on your body that you don't think should be there. And I remembered as I was walking out and I was walking down the hallway of the doctor's office towards the checkout area, all the nurses just looked at me when I walked by. It was like one, probably like one of the creepiest feelings. It was like the whole office knew about my situation. And when I went to check out, of course, the lady knew who I was. I didn't have to say, oh, my name is you know, Cliff Duvenois or anything else. When I went up there to check out, she says, hey, don't worry. We're going to set you up. You know, we're going we're gonna to do everything we can to take the best care of you. And I just remember being freaked out like, holy cow, my situation is at the point where the entire office knows about this. I mean, I just. So that day. I drove home and sat down at my desk. Now, my doctor's appointment was at 8 o'clock in the morning. I like early appointments just so, just so I can have the rest of my day to myself. And I, I was sitting at my desk, and of course, I'm completely overwhelmed by all of this. And I had already started reaching out to my friends to let them know what had happened. But still, I was just completely overcome by this feeling that I've got lung cancer. I'm going to have to go into chemo. Who knows if it's spread? I had a friend of mine who actually discovered he had kidney cancer. And by the time he had discovered it, it had already moved into, into his bloodstream and his lymph nodes. So I was with him through that entire experience. And so my brain is just working in overdrive, telling myself the story about lung cancer and what I was going to have to go through and the chemo and getting sick and how am I going to continue to work and, and what's going to be in my future. And I remembered through all of this mindset, self-help stuff that I consume on a regular basis that there is a difference between the story that we tell ourselves and what the actual facts are. And the only thing that I knew with 100% certainty was that I had a 1.1 centimeter nodule on my lung. My brain translated that. The fear inside of me translated that into you've got cancer, you're going to have to do chemotherapy, maybe it's in your bloodstream, all of these other things. The only thing that I knew with 100% certainty was I had a 1.1 centimeter nodule on my lung. That is it. Yes, the doctor's concerned. Yes, the office is concerned. Am I concerned? 
You betcha. But the only thing I know is that it is just a nodule. When I finally wrapped my brain around that fact, the sense of dread that had came over me simply vanished. What I felt afterwards was kind of interesting because it was almost a numb feeling. I wasn't happy, of course, that it was just a nodule, and I wasn't sad because it was a nodule. The best way I could describe it was a little bit numb, almost like having a clear thought, a clear mind, almost glacial in the way that I was thinking, just expansive, very slow. And I remember I looked down at my to-do list thinking I should work. I should start plowing through my to-do list because once I get going, then it'll give something else for my brain to chew on instead of this nodule. But I know in my heart of hearts that I don't want to do that to-do list. Now, it's interesting because when you're starting to take a look at your life and these potential events that could come along, it reminded me of this rather morose game my friends and I would play or you would be at a party drinking or sitting around talking to other people but you would ask yourself these questions like hey you know if you were going to if you knew that you were going to die tomorrow what would your last meal be or if you knew that you were going to die a week from now what would you do where would you go who would you want to meet or you know all of these other things right to to try to get down to the bare essence of what would make you happy or or what would you do to make yourself happy or what would be one of the lasting things that you would do for me i remember thinking to myself that this is no longer a theoretical question it was a very clear question all of a sudden i remember thinking to myself you know cliff what do you want to do with your time Don't worry about what other people doing in other people's schedules and agenda. Forget all of that. What do you want to do? So you know what I did? I do what I love to do, and that is to write. Sweet Moses did I write. I was writing for hours, and it felt so good. And while I was writing, I remembered that I was laughing because some of the stuff was so funny. And I remember I was crying because some of it was like very scary, but it was very real. But all of these emotions that I was feeling inside of me regarding this entire process were just spilling out onto the paper. And I didn't care. My fingers were moving so fast over the keyboard. It was just crazy. And the next morning I got up, did the exact same thing. What do you want to do today? Now, keep in mind as I'm doing this, and some people could say, oh, well, Cliff, you were just doing this to, you know, be in denial and you're not accepting the situation. But you know what? I had accepted the situation because I know full well that there's a 1.1 centimeter nodule on my lung. It was never far from my mind. Never once. I went out for a walk during this couple day mental hiatus, so to speak trying to think more about the entire situation and trying to process it. I remembered that earlier this year, I was working with a mindset coach, Kristen Goodman. She walked me through this very, very powerful framework, this model 
originally pioneered by Brooke Castillo from the Life Coach School podcast, if you want to look her up. The model is very simple, C-T-F-A-R, circumstances, thoughts, feelings, actions, results. Everything that we do in life follows this particular pattern. You have a circumstance, which is nothing more than a data point. It doesn't, it's not positive and it is not negative. It is just a piece of data. Beneath that, you have your thoughts. What do you think of the, thir- the circumstance, the data? Beneath that are our feelings. Our feelings are derived from our thoughts. From our feelings come our actions, and then from actions come results. So I knew because I already had that little bit of mental clarity to know that my circumstance was that I had a 1.1 centimeter nodule on my lung. That was my circumstance. It is a data point. It is neither good or bad. And what I did is I said, you know, I know that I'm worried about this. I know that I am dreading this. But what if I give myself permission to have a new thought? Now, I can't wipe away everything. I'm not perfect. But let me give myself a new thought. And this was my new thought. I have to thank my lucky stars. And to be more accurate, I have to thank God that I blacked out all those months ago. Because if I hadn't blacked out, if my doctor hadn't pushed for me to have all these tests, if I hadn't gone for all these tests, if I would have just said, ah, you know what? I was just dehydrated. I'm not going to go for these tests. Screw it. But if I hadn't done that, I would have never have discovered the nodule in my lungs. And it's only 1.1 centimeters. So you know what? If it does turn out, to be cancer or you know whatever it is then i we caught it in time you know without any luck it hasn't metastasized it hasn't gone through my bloodstream it's not in my kidneys it's not anywhere else so thank god that i had caught this in time and yeah i might have to go through chemo and yeah i'd probably have to go through surgery but at the end of the day i would still be alive That was the most important thing. And when I started thinking about it in terms of the CTFAR model and giving myself permission to have a new thought, this started to bring real comfort to me. It made the situation not overpowering at all. It actually made it manageable. And the more important thing is it actually gave me the courage to keep moving forward, to keep facing every single day. Now, the doctor's office had called. They had scheduled me for the next test, which is a PET scan, right? The alphabet soup of test continues. But anyways, I now have a PET scan that I have to go and get that performed. And I remembered that at first, initially, the way they talked, it would be six weeks. Apparently, my doctor pulled some strings and got me in there within a week and a half. And of course, I cleared my schedule for that particular day, knowing full well that it was going to be a very big day. But one of the things that I was also doing as well, every single morning that I wake up, and I have been doing this now for a year, but I do it every single day. When I wake up in the morning, the very first thing that I do is I say a prayer every day. I wake up, see what time it is, I close my eyes, and I say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you 
for the gift of another day. Thank you for yesterday. Thank you for everything that you've done for me. Thank you for giving me the courage and the wisdom to continue to move forward. Thank you for everything that you've done for me, everything that you have done for mom. I ask that you be with me. I ask you that you be with mom. Today, give me the courage and give me the strength to get through this day the best that I can so I can be a positive impact on the people and the world around me. That's the prayer that I pray every single day. I tweaked it to add in there, thank you for my health. I am in perfect health. Whatever this is, take it away from me because I am in perfect health. There is nothing wrong with my body. And I kept saying it over and over and over again. And I would say it throughout the day. Yes, I am a big believer in affirmations. I really believe that that stuff works. I believe that whatever you put out into the universe will come back to you. Here it is the night before the PET scan. I managed to make it into bed. I did not sleep very well that night at all. I remember I would go to sleep, but then I would wake up like an hour later or half an hour later. It was just a constant struggle. And every time I woke up, I said that prayer over and over and over again. I was terrified. I was scared, but I kept saying that prayer over and over and over again. And even if I would sit there and say to myself, how am I going to tell the people that I love that I have cancer? I would immediately reject that thought immediately because that's the fear talking. That's the worry talking. That is the dread talking. That is not going to serve me or serve anybody else. I immediately rejected that. And every time that I thought about, oh my goodness, how am I going to tell my mom I got can't? Oh, reject. I am healthy. I am in perfect health. This nodule is nothing. It is a blip on the screen. And I kept saying that over and over and over again. I drive down to the hospital to get the PET scan done. For those of you that don't know how a PET scan works, I'm going to take a couple minutes and share with you how it does work because it is very germane to the rest of the story. When you go and you get a PET scan done, what they do is they inject a radioactive sugar solution into your bloodstream. They don't do it through a needle. They actually do it through an IV. And yep, when I sat down in the mobile medical unit, there were radiation containers everywhere. That little radiation symbol was just everywhere. And I started getting a little bit freaked out. The nurse was working with uh, these heavy gloves and she had this like really thick screen and it was probably all lead lined. I'm going to assume it was all lead lined while she was working with this stuff all day. But what they do is they inject this into your bloodstream. Now what cancer is by strictest definition of the, of the sense, it is an abnormal growth of cells from somewhere inside of your body, but it's an abnormal growth. And because it's abnormal growth, cancer cells require a lot more nutrients than your average cell in your body. So when you inject this radioactive sugar solution into the bloodstream, if you have cancer anywhere in your body, you will see a large concentration of the sugar, sugar solution where the cancer cells are. When they go and they take the images and the pictures of your organs, 
any area that has a high concentration of this radioactive sugar is going to show up like a light bulb on the screen. There will be no denying that, yeah, that's cancer, that's tumor, and it is consuming this liquid. Now, the only way to tell from that if it's you know benign or growing or whatever that is is to go get a biopsy. That would be the next step. So she gives me this sugar solution that is radioactive. And of course, in the back of my brain, somewhere inside of me, I said, man, I hope a spider bites me right now. And if you don't know Marvel Comics, you're not going to get that reference. So we'll just move on. I go and I lay down on this table and they slide me in and out of this giant mechanical donut back and forth, back and forth. And I just remember the whole time that I was laying down on that table saying to myself over and over and over again, I am healthy. I am in perfect health. Thank you, God, for my perfect health. Thank you for my health. There is nothing wrong with me. I am in perfect. I just over and over and over again. Finally, the nurse had to wake me up because I was just so deep in thought about this. And she kind of shook me and she goes, you know, hey, Cliff, the test is done. And I said, okay. And I got up from the table and jumped in the car, went home. A spider did not bite me, so I can't climb any walls. And for the next 48 hours, it was so hard to focus. Very hard to focus. Once again, I'm writing, spending a lot of time walking and taking, taking in you know, the nature because it's summertime right now and it's so beautiful right now in Michigan. It's just gorgeous. And it gets to be Friday morning, the morning that I'm supposed to go see the doctor and get the results of my test. It has been two days since my PET scan. They should have had plenty of time to look at the results and send them over to my doctor. I go to the doctor's office and I'm sitting there in the chair just waiting for them to call my name to go back. And the whole time that I'm sitting there, I am just numb. I can't think a positive thought. I can't think a negative thought. I am just like numb, like I'm waiting for the bad news. The nurse calls me back. And we go, we sit down in the room and she's on the computer and she goes, okay, so I see that you're here today to get the results of your test. And I didn't say anything. I just sat there. She comes over, takes my blood pressure, wraps that little thing around my arm, starts pumping it. Now, usually when I get my blood pressure taken, they always tell me how excellent my blood pressure is, how it's phenomenal for somebody my age. And she's looking at it and all of a sudden she kind of stops and she looks up at me. And she says, how are you feeling right now? And my response was freaked out. I'm so nervous right now. I don't know what to do. And she's like, ah. So that probably explains why my blood pressure was probably twice the numbers it was supposed to be. She left the room. And before long, the doctor came in. He sat down and his computer wiggled his little mouse. And he took a deep breath and he turned and he looked me in the eye. And he said, There's no cancer. And that was the sweetest sound I could have ever heard in that particular moment. He threw a lot of terms at me after that, that I wasn't quite sure of. I do know that I didn't respond. I probably, I think I was just sitting there, maybe had a blank look on my face because he came back to me a little bit later and he said, Cliff, this is the best possible result that you can have for this test. And somehow I managed to squeak out of my mouth. I would like to know what the nodule is. 
And he said, well, I'm glad you said that because I want to know what the nodule is. So if it's okay, I'm going to refer you to a pulmonary specialist. It's going to be a little bit of a drive for you, but at the end of the day, we would need to figure this out. And I asked the doctor, I said, is it possible for me to get a copy of the test results? And he said, yeah, we'll print them out for you at the desk when you're checking out. And I said, okay, thank you. And he goes, we'll be in touch very soon when we talk to the pulmonary specialist. And I said, okay. So we go out into the hallway. And I went and I checked out. The lady had already printed out my test results for me. I remember I went and sat down in the car and I was just taking it in. You know, I was like, I remember my hand shaking, literally shaking as, as I was putting the test results down in the passenger seat. And I decided, you know what, Cliff, just take some time. Take some time for yourself. You have been through so much over these past few weeks. Just take some time for yourself. You have nowhere to go. There's nobody important right now except you. Take care of you. Just Take a couple minutes and breathe. So I just focused on my breathing in and out, in and out, just long breaths in and out. Just take it in, take it in, take it in. And I was sitting there and I remember that there was this voice in the back of my head said, read the test results. I don't know why, but I reached over and picked it up because usually there's so much medical terminology on these pages that trying to figure out what happened. Or what's going on is a bit of a mystery to me. I have to Google half the terms, but I decided to read it. I want to share with you a couple of things that I had read. First off, the paperwork says that a whole body PET CT scan was performed following the IV administration of the name of the liquid. Findings. Head and neck, no suspicious activity. Chest. No suspicious activity. Abdomen and pelvis. No suspicious activity. Skeleton. No suspicious activity. Not only did the nodule turn up not to be cancer in my lungs, but I don't have cancer in my body at all. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt because they ran probably one of the best tests that they can use to detect cancer in the body, and I am clean. Talk about the gift that keeps on giving. I didn't even recognize that. When the doctor turned and looked at me in the office and said, this is the best possible result that you could get from this test, I didn't understand that he was talking about my whole body. I thought he was just talking about that little nodule on my lungs. But I don't have cancer anywhere in my system. And that was such a relief. That made me feel so good. And that's, that's when I released the emotion, right? That's when the tears started falling down my face. That is when I felt like I could truly breathe and just let it go and take it in, Cliff. This is a huge win for you. Huge win. It would be a gross understatement for me to say that Oh, the manifestation worked and, and praying to God worked and 
you know, you being healthy, all this other stuff actually worked. I, I don't know. But I thank the universe. I thank God. I thank my friends who were supporting me the entire time. And it has made me realize that keeping my focus on what truly makes me happy is something that I should be doing every day. Not when I have a scary situation come up. Live life on my terms, not on the terms of other people. Do those things that I want to do. More importantly, don't let my circumstances dictate my thoughts. Give yourself permission to think a new thought when any situation comes around. And when you give yourself permission to think a new thought, that's when your feelings change, that's when your actions change, and that's when your results start to change. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to share that with you. I hope you're doing really well on this absolutely lovely day, and we will be back with another episode in the future. Make it a great day.